shows lean left, some lean right, but we lean local and business. This is North Georgia Business Radio X with Phil Benelli. For the next hour, we will celebrate the businesses in our area and the people that run them. Find us on Facebook at North Georgia Business Radio X and online at NorthGeorgiaBusinessRadioX.com. Now, here's Phil Benelli. Storms in life come and go. The business climate is good. The business climate is bad. There's this challenge, that challenge. How do you navigate through? Well, you have a great guide. On the show today, we're very happy to have Tommy Howard, CEO of Norton Commercial Real Estate. Right? That's it. That's it. Perfect. Got it. Perfect. And um, he is here to present. They, They do a wonderful job of putting together data and not just putting together data, but coalescing it and drawing conclusions to find market trends to serve as a guide for decisions. Every year they put on their um, Norton Native Intelligence, which is a wonderful event to go to. And we were lucky enough to get Tommy here on the show to present some of the highlights um, from that. So, Tommy, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. And we've been doing this for 37 years, if you can believe that. Long time. Goodness gracious. We've actually gone back to look at some of our uh, prognostications over the years and say, hey, you know, how do we do it? And, you know, we're about 95%, quite honestly. Wow. Yeah, we feel like, uh, you know, obviously looking at the data, and that's really what this is all about is, you know, this information is readily available to a lot of folks, but it's not really just looking at the numbers, but, you know, how do you interpret them? You know, what does it mean? How does it, you know, what does it mean for the future of, of business and those types of environments? Oh, I, and I would say in this day and age, with so much data so readily available, the interpretation is key. Whenever I get my annual physical and they tell me my blood pressure, I just immediately text it to my wife, who's an RN, because I don't know what the heck it means. I'm like, is this good, bad? <laughs> right. Have Lindsay tell me. Yeah, why not? You got you got a pro right there. I got it right there. Yeah. Um, so we appreciate what y'all do to um, again package up the data and 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 uh, help guide and draw conclusions from it. We don't have time today to go through the whole thing, but Tommy has 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 put forth just a few highlights. Yes. That we appreciate. And uh, number one is the first one we're going to do. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Let's dive mm-hmm. in. Yes, so um, one of our trends this year, uh, we call it the big squeeze, um, because I think a lot of people are feeling squeezed from all sides, Mm. uh, economically, obviously politically. There's just so many things going on in the world, um, that, and and obviously the, the wars and all of this thing, and we're just feeling it from all sides. And so we've kind of looked at, you know, how does, how does that affect us here in North Georgia? And what does that mean for us economically? And so we've looked at several trends under that. And, and one of the things that I think the, the biggest thing right now is everybody talks about interest rates, right? We feel that pressure on interest rates. What does that mean? Um, it has affected uh, the purchasing of real estate, both commercial and residentially, because people are saying, hey, you know, I'm going to wait and see what happens next, right? I'm going to wait for the interest rates to come down. You know, we were at a 2.5% interest rate on a 30-year <laughs> fixed mortgage, which is just crazy. And so, but a lot of people took advantage of that. We have about 40 pe- 40% of people with mortgages today have a mortgage less than 4%. Ooh. So there's a lot of people sitting in a good position. So, um, and it's not that far ago, long, long ago that we know that that happened. And so we're looking at, okay, you know, 
I feel like that's in my memory bank of these two and a half, three and a half percent interest rates. And so I'm waiting to see if that happens again. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> it could be a long time. And so one of the things that uh, we looked up, and I thought this was pretty fascinating, is that um, in 1971, uh, the interest rates uh, were about seven and a quarter. And if you said in 1971, I'm going to wait for interest rates to come down, you would have had to wait 23 years until, uh, until 1992, 93 for that. I'm sorry, 22 years until 93 for interest rates to come down. And they came down to a whopping 6.85. And the, and the challenge with that is, is that over that same time, if you had bought a house, your home would have appreciated five times. Five times. And so you would have missed the opportunity of investment because you're waiting for that interest rate to come down. So that's one of the challenges we see is that, hey, the 50-year the average today for a mortgage is 7.81%. And today we're sitting at about 6.8%. So my message to a lot of people is, hey, we're back to a normal market. And guess what? These interest rates... They're, they're really where they're supposed to be. Yes, we'd love them to have be a little bit lower, but they're really not that bad. And, you know, there's there's a saying in our business is you, you marry the house, you date the rate, mm. you know. and, and Unless you got a 2.5% rate, <laughs> yeah. and you marry that You rate. marry that one, absolutely. <laughs> well, and it's an interesting point that you bring up because we know a lot of people that could that are sitting on that that don't want to sell that house. And if they have to move, they may actually keep that property as right. uh, as an asset and rent it out and use it as an investment property because they're sitting on such a low interest rate. I, I was speaking with a couple college buddies of mine just the other day. And yeah, it's so funny. They felt handcuffed. They didn't verbalize this, but hearing them speak, they were they felt handcuffed because their rate was so good. One of them, they had two kids. They wanted to have a third, but they were like, we'd have to get another house. Yeah, and I, a bigger house, and I just can't leave this rate. You you can't, and it's um and it does make a huge difference. I will say, um, but there are opportunities to buy down. We know that there are a lot of uh, there's builders out there that are offering buy downs, um, sometimes mm. at four and a half, five and a half percent, which is still a great mortgage rate. So there are opportunities. You just have may have to seek those out, and you can buy down a mortgage, obviously with a mortgage broker or banker. There are always opportunities in every market, and yet waiting on something. Uh, I remember when, <laughs> when I bought my first house, I moved to Gainesville. Uh, I got my first house in the spring of 2008. And I thought to myself, ooh, price, home prices went down just a little bit. I got to hop on this before they go back up. And of course, then they plummeted for several years um, after I bought that. But you, you can't time it. Look for the, if you're ready to buy a house, look for the best opportunity that there is. Uh, as a wise man once said, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, it, quite frankly, I don't know that that holds true to the same degree everywhere, but certainly in a growing area like Northeast Georgia, it does. Yep. If you live in Iowa, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Although farmland is going for quite a bit in those places, but um, you get a good deal and get good guidance. That's why, hey, you could just go out on Zillow and find some stuff or find some for sale by owner, but there are so many intricacies. That's why you need a great uh, real estate agent to assist you. Well, we, we call ourselves real estate advisors. You know, we... 
you know, we have the title of being salespeople, but we're really not salespeople. Mm, what mm. we do is we advise people on the process of buying and selling real estate because it's not ours to sell and it's not ours to buy. We're just giving you the advice and the roadmap and the structure in order to go through that process. And I would advise you too, um, no offense to anyone out there selling their first home, but the experience matters. When I got right out of college, I had enough credits to get my real estate license. I was working in banking, but I got my real estate license because I thought it was cool. And I'd, I helped purchase one house. And looking back now, I think, boy, that was fun. But I probably added barely any value because I didn't know anything. And I would find a, a great firm and a great agent because there's so much value to be added by someone who's worked on a lot of deals and they're in the market every day. Absolutely. Experience matters. Experience matters. You know, quick side note, a philosophical moment that I'm a big fan of thinking about is so many times we um, let a lack of experience stop us personally from starting something. But you you might have been nervous when you first sold your first house because you're like, I, I haven't done it before, you know, but you put people around you who do and you got to go. You can't let your lack of experience stop you. But you should uh, very intentionally be on a path to where you are gaining experience because it does matter. If I had uh, not started the farm because I didn't know what I was doing, I wouldn't have got the experience that now pays big dividends because I've screwed up so much. (laughs) Now I kind of know what I'm doing. You have to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. Yeah. All right. We're going to go to point number two after this break on North Georgia Business Radio X. show a little appreciation. Welcome back to North Georgia Business Radio X. I am your host, Phil Benelli, here with Tommy Howard, CEO of Norton Commercial Real Estate. And if I do say so myself, one heck of a guy. We're talking about the big squeeze. And if you are just joining us, thank you. We're so happy you're here. Go back and listen to the first segment. Tommy is giving us some great information and some great insights into where we are in the market. Uh, Before the break, we were talking about the big squeeze of interest rates going up and how that impacts people's ability to carry debt on a home or a property, etc. But not just rates have gone up, the value of properties has gone up too. Absolutely. We've just seen incredible appreciation over the last, you know, really 20 years. Um, I could tell you in the state of Georgia, we've seen an increase by 145% of home values over that period of time, which also keep in mind, that includes the recession where we Mm. saw a big downturn, obviously 2008 through 2012, and home prices were depreciating. And what's really crazy about that is at that time um, when we were in the business, it was, um, we, we thought we had more inventory than we would ever know what to do with. There was, you know, foreclosures, REOs, there was properties everywhere. We're like, how are we going to go through all this property? Builders were basically giving away subdivisions. Um, and then all, all of a sudden, you know, in 2012, started to turn the corner. The economy got better and people were buying properties. And so we started to see that come back. But what we didn't see come back was the builders and really mm. adding to the supply in order to keep up with the growth that we had in Georgia. And as we looked at appreciation, we started in about 2012 
from 5%, 6%, 7 5 6 just bouncing, which is a good, steady mm. economic growth over that period of time. Then we had an anomaly. We had COVID. And in 2019 and 20, we're all experiencing this crazy thing that we have no idea what's going to happen. I'll tell you, as a company, we, we thought that this was a time to really bat down the hatches, look at what we're spending money on, how do we protect ourselves. And about three weeks into it, we discovered that everybody wants to sell their house. You know, everybody's like, I, I, you know, I am just tired of looking at these four walls. I love my family, but I don't want to see them 24 hours a day. I need an extra room. I need room for the kids. I need, you know, an extra office at home. And all of a sudden, you know, everything broke loose. And starting in 2020, if you look at from 2020 to 2023, over that period of time, I could tell you here in Gainesville and the state of Georgia, we saw a 50% increase in home prices over that three-year period. Mm. Think about the amount of appreciation, the amount of equity that was created during that period of time and escalate. And just like the interest rates, people remember that two and a half, three and a half. But people also remember, I remember when that house down the street was $200,000 and today it's $400,000. And that's hard to get out of your memory to say, God, do I really want to pay that much for a house that I really could have bought just a couple of years ago for, for half the price? But, you know, that's not going to change, and we're going to continue to see that increase. And one piece of advice that I would give to listeners is that because we've seen so much appreciation, if you have not looked at your insurance lately, Mm. understand your replacement cost is whatever you're paying for. So if you have, if you're house and when you got your insurance policy let's just say it was $500,000 but your house today is worth $700,000 and we know the cost of replacing a house through construction through materials all of that has also escalated very highly then your insurance you may not have enough insurance there's it's a very good chance you're underinsured for your current home because you haven't shopped it or changed it lately and your policy won't cover it. I had a friend who, whose house burned and um, he was underwater about $150,000 because he was underinsured. Now, fortunately for him, he can overcome that, but I think that's a case for a lot of people. So just a piece wow. of advice, pay attention to your insurance and how much coverage you have because it's appreciated so much over that period of time. Call your insurance agent today. <laughs> and I happen to know one. So uh, the Norton Agency happens oh, to dabble in insurance. So. <laughs> oh, goodness so sakes. We can help you with anything you need. Give them a holler, folks. <laughs> Give them a holler. Oh. Um, when we look at, so you mentioned, you know, I know prices have gone up everywhere. They've gone up so much in Georgia. How much higher than like the national average are we up in Georgia? Depends on the market. So actually, yeah, we are above the national average. Um, we're probably about 5 to 10% above everyone else. I'll tell you that even this year, uh, a lot of econ- excuse me, economists had predicted that we would see home prices actually depreciate this year, maybe about 3 to 5%. Some markets that did that, California, for example, Chicago area, New York, some of those larger markets – um, and as they've seen people, in a, and I'll say a mass exodus, quite honestly, right. even population has decreased in some of those areas. And guess where they're coming? 
to the southeast. They're coming to Georgia. They're coming to Gainesville, Georgia. And so um, so we've actually seen, as of 2023, at the end, we had about a 5% appreciation versus some other parts of the country that saw a depre- depreciation. And we think that we'll probably continue to see that going into 2024. I think 2024 is going to be a lot like 2023. Um, it is uh, obviously an election year that does uh-huh. play a lot on economies. Um, but right now, I think everything is going to sort of stay steady and we'll continue to see that steady growth. And a lot of it is simply supply and demand, you know, which is another one of our big trends. And so we just aren't keeping up with the demand of housing and that's propping up prices. And I get asked all the time, like, well, are we going to see home prices come down? Are we going to see foreclosures? Are we Because people remember, hey, I, I, there were some great opportunities then. Well, even if we did, the challenge is, is that there's now Wall Street and investors mm. have gotten so involved into real estate that if there was any sort of falter or depreciation, you would have a ton of investors that come in and they would prop the market back up. And I don't foresee that happening, but I do think that that's even... That's a fallback if we see anything like that happen, and which also puts pressure on homeowners because they're competing against all-cash investors. I can tell you that uh, just at our brokerage firm, 50% of our transactions last year were all-cash. Wow. Over 40% of transactions nationally were either all-cash or investor-based. And then you had another about 5 to 8%, which was FHA. So if you remove those, only about 52% ha- actually got traditional mortgages on their purchases. Yeah. Um, you bring up a great point, which I did not think about. I, I knew about you know these big investors coming in, and that would gobble up supply and the good deals. But because they're getting gobbled up, yeah, that buoys the prices – because it impacts supply and demand. Absolutely. Um, now, we are seeing, I will tell you, um, we uh, our, our months of supply starting to creep up a little bit. Today, we're about two and a half months supply. But understand, a normal market is about six months supply. So we're still way undersupplied. We have seen days on market increase here, I know, in Hall County, Gainesville, to about 60 days. Not long ago, we were maybe a couple months ago, we were about 45 days. So we are seeing that kind of come up too. So it does houses are sitting a little bit longer uh, just because I think people are being more discerning, but it's also this time of year. January, February typically are slower months. Um, I think once we get into the springtime, March and April and uh, going into summer, we'll start to see those volumes come down again. And now there's a full lake. There's a full lake, and it yeah, impacts it real estate, I will tell you. Uh, when there's a full lake, uh, it just makes it that much more desirable. The uh, not to get too into the weeds, but the days on the market that you referenced, the sixty days, is that between listing and close, or listing and getting under contract? Uh, that's listing and getting under contract. Okay, yep. yeah, because it you know <clears throat> takes forty five, sixty days to close. That's too, right. So. Yeah, gotcha. yep. So that yeah, the whole process becomes you know three to four months, which hmm. quite frankly is a short it's period. Pretty of time. quick. Yeah, pretty absolutely. darn quick. If you're looking for a home. Hey, maybe there's there might be a little bit more inventory for you to pick from. But again, there's nothing to wait for. Best time to buy real estate is today. That's right. 
That's right. All right. So uh, we're going to go to our next subject right after this break on North Georgia Business Radio X. So during this commercial, go and give yourself a note to call your real estate or your insurance agent to get the right coverage. Can't afford to live no more. They're all house rich, but I'm house poor. Welcome back to North Georgia Business Radio X. I'm your host, Phil Benelli. Joining me is Tommy Howard, CEO of Norton Commercial Real Estate. And we're talking through um, some impactful uh, industry trends and market realities here on the show to help you make decisions of what to do with real estate, which, of course, if you really want to make some decisions, you should call someone like Tommy to help you out. But uh, the next point um, from the Norton Native Intelligence, which we're going to discuss, is house rich and house poor. Tommy, what does that mean? Well, as we mentioned, uh, we saw great appreciation in values, and obviously that created wealth for people. Um, you know, the American dream was obviously home ownership for, for many years, and for a lot of people, that's their greatest asset. And, and a lot of people built wealth, accumulated wealth, by getting that equity and that appreciation in their home over many years. And so... Obviously, if you have that, then that certainly is a lot of value. And I tell this story of these, uh, basically take two bartenders, have the same job, they make the same amount of money. Um, one's a little bit older, got a, a young guy, and they're, they're working, they're coming in, they're starting their day and cleaning up the glasses at the bar. And the one bartender, the new one says, hey, you know, he says, you know, I'm looking for a place to live. I just moved here and, and uh, you know, I need to find a place to rent And in the other older bartender says, well, you know, what, what are you looking for? How much are you looking to spend? He's like, well, probably about $1,800 a month for rent. He says, man, you, you're probably going to live in a really nice place for that. You know, he's, that's a lot of money. He's like, you, it must be a big place. He said, no, no, that's, you know, maybe a two bedroom, you know, one bath, maybe 800 square feet. And he's like, wow. He's like, that's, that's, that's crazy. I didn't realize it was so expensive. He's like, well, where do you live? He's like, well, you know, I, I bought a house 10 years ago and I live in a four bedroom, two and a half bath. I live on an acre of land. It's great. Me and my three kids. And, you know, I've got all of this, this equity and I have this big house. He said, well, you know, how much is your mortgage? He said, well, it's about $1,300 a month. And the idea is, is that this one bartender who bought 10 years ago, who's created this equity, who's created this appreciation, he's house rich. And you have the young bartender who's making relatively probably the same amount of money, and he doesn't have that opportunity because he is having to pay for rent, Mm. which has escalated greatly. Average rent in the state of Georgia today is $1,850. Here in Hall County, we're at $1,900. And we're still seeing a great amount of apartments being built, uh, rentals, because there's still such a demand for a roof. And a lot of people are paying more in rent than they would uh, for for a home. And and the biggest question I guess, well, why? Why why wouldn't you just buy a house? The easy answer is down payment. Right. For a lot of people, they just don't have the down payment. And, and in a conventional thirty year loan, you know, a lot of banks you need twenty percent down, maybe ten. But if you're having to buy in today's market, an average price point of four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, twenty percent, you need ninety thousand dollars to buy that first home. And that becomes a big challenge. And we've seen 
that really disappearing what we might call affordable housing. We use the term available housing or attainable housing. Um, but a house under $250,000 today is just non-existent, and we just don't see it in the inventory anywhere. So, of course, the natural question we get asked all the time is, well, why don't people just build $250,000 houses if there's such a demand for that price point? You can't. It's just too expensive to do that. Um, and the challenge of just land and construction mm. prices and labor and all of those things that go into... And red tape. And, yes, absolutely. And, and, on, and developers want to make a profit, too. And so they don't do it for free. And so it is a challenge. And so we're seeing... Uh, I get asked that all the time by the the twenties and thirty somethings, and oh, and I really get asked by the parents who have the twenty five year old living in their basement. Oh, yeah, yeah how, how am I going to get my kid out of the house to go buy a house? He, he and his new wife are are living with us, and we've actually seen a lot of that. There's generational housing, parents, grandparents, grandkids, all under one roof. And a lot of it's just because they can't find a place to go or a place that they want to go. Um, and so that's going to continue to be more of a challenge for a lot of folks. And so having that house rich, having that equity over a period of time um, is really, you know, a great asset. And I thing is, I think the American dream is still alive and well. Um, you know, we are we are down. Uh, we were at 69 percent home ownership in 2000. Today, we're about 65 percent. We actually spiked to 67 percent during COVID because so many people bought houses but we are seeing uh, but we are seeing home ownership diminish a little bit in the United States but it's not just new home buyers so there's an interesting phenomenon happening as well the baby boomers right right so they're making changes too but they're on the opposite end of the spectrum so baby boomers who have owned homes uh, and I say homes plural built equity and and built appreciation over you know 25 30 40 years in some cases and they're cashing out. And guess what they're doing? They're going in the rental pool. You know why? Because they don't want to deal with a house anymore. I talked to a gentleman here. He told me that he sold his home and he now saves $27,000 a year because he doesn't have to worry about home maintenance, maintenance mm. taxes, insurance, all of those things that go with it. And so he is, you know, he's he is now enjoying what he's gained over those many years of home appreciation for his uh, future. And so he can retire and have an apartment and lock the door and leave and go travel. And no kids in the house, so yeah. you don't need as much space. And you might want to live, you know, right off a of downtown square and walk to restaurants and coffee shops with all the uh, younger folks who can't afford a home. Uh, th that is absolutely what a lot of people are gravitating toward. We talk about that as uh, people gravitating back to downtown centers and wanting walkability, whether it's within neighborhoods. But, you know, people just want that, especially since COVID. Everybody wants that space now. And it's you, you, you reminded me of a kind of a funny uh, anecdote is that um, you talked about having that space and having that yard. Um, so today there are... More, there are more pets in the United States in households than children under the age of 18. And I say that because we get approached when people are renting, what they're looking for is a yard. Why? Because they need a place for their dog to go roam around and be out in the yard. And same thing for kids as well. But there are more households with pets. And so people are looking for that space. And so there's such a demand, not just for apartments, because that's a little bit more of a challenge with a pet, but there's a huge demand for single family houses 
because people want that place to to have a yard. And that's kind of defaulted to the new American dream is that I'm okay with renting, but I still want a home. Okay. Yeah. And all the flexibility folks can, you know, like they like the freedom of moving around wherever. And if they're doing remote work, I'll move in Georgia, live in Georgia for a while, then maybe I'll go live in Idaho for year or two. Who cares? Mobility is huge. And we have seen that. And I know folks that have moved here to Georgia, which by the way, relatively speaking, we're still somewhat a very affordable market in a lot of ways versus a California. And you might have folks come here from California who still have their California job, still making their California salary, but they can work basically anywhere they want to as long as they have internet and a phone. They can do their job. And so we are seeing some of that change a bit. Some companies are saying, hey, we want people to return to the office and be a little more connected. But in some cases, that's not an issue. And we have jobs here. Tons of jobs here. switch it up. Yep. Or yep. work for some company in some other state or country remotely. Absolutely. Yeah. Some of those same college buddies I referenced earlier who were making decisions on the number of children they were going to have based on uh, not wanting to leave their mortgage, which again, I get their financial realities just cracked me up. Talking about also, you know, like it, they would rather have a job that paid less and was remote. Now that they're so used to the freedom of remote, they just could not go back. I think that is the labor pool today, and and I think that's what a lot of the the young folks coming out of college there that's what they're desiring. And I've I've even personally interviewed folks for jobs who've come in and say, hey, I, I want to work remotely three days a week. I want this very high exorbitant salary. <laughs> and and that's just the mindset today is that that's what's available to them. And it is in some cases. Um, it's not always the case, but um, you know, there's a lot of businesses who, in order to get that labor, will make concessions to have people uh, work remotely. Good for them. Hey, you don't get what you don't ask. <laughs> you got to ask, they right? They might say no, but you, you got to ask for it. All right. After um, this, after this break, we will move over to talking about employment and then a very interesting subject, the great American side hustle. Join us in just a moment after this break on North Georgia Business Radio X. Help Wanted! Help Wanted! Welcome back to North Georgia Business Radio X. Uh, As business owners, business leaders, and really just anyone paying attention, we can all see the impact of of the difficulty with shortage of labor, which of course then impacts real estate in a myriad variety of ways. Welcome back. It's Tommy Howard, CEO of Norton Commercial Real Estate, here to talk about this amongst other real estate trends. Absolutely. Thank you, Phil. Yeah, one of the things we've seen um, as we were just talking about, um, you know, jobs and people working remotely, um, the other thing is the jobs that are available. And, um, you know, fortunately here in the state of Georgia for, I think, last eight or nine years, we've been the number one state to do business in. And we've seen, uh, fortunately, our leadership has brought a lot of big industries, which is great for our tax base. But what comes with that is jobs, which, again, is also great. But it you also need a place for them to live. 
And that's been a big challenge for a lot of communities and a lot of municipalities is because they have to have the infrastructure to support the labor force and the houses that come with that. It's not as simple as just building a house. You have to expand roads. You have to have schools. You have to have sewer. You have to have all these things Mm. that are all components of that. And Right now, we're at 3.4%, I think, is our unemployment rate, which is actually ranked 30th in the U.S., so we're kind of in the middle of the mm. pack. But we are still, we still, which is low, really, over the entire United States. And so we're seeing a, a lot of places struggling to get labor. Um, I know of a large employer here in Hall County that has to bus in uh, a lot of their employees every day from other communities because they one can't afford here afford to live here. Um, you know, I think there's communities throughout North Georgia that are very excited about their high price homes. Um, I'll tell you here in right now, our average price point in Hall County is $450,000. Forsyth County supports an average home of about $600,000. And so that's a big difference. And when you're trying to uh, have a place for a teacher, fireman, policeman to live, um, it, and they're on a, a fixed salary, uh, a low median household income, that makes it a big challenge. And speaking of today, in the state of Georgia, we are at a five multiple of median income to median home price, which the math does not work. If you're going to a mortgage banker to get a loan, you want to be at about a two to two and a half, maybe a three multiple tops. But our median income to median home price is over five, which means that you're not making nearly enough money to keep up with the median home price, which is, again, a challenge for a lot of labor. And I I sort of joke about the the Starbucks barista that, you know, you're going to pull up to your local Starbucks one day and it's going to be closed, not because they can't sell coffee, but because no one can afford to work there. Because if I'm making $15 an hour, and I have to commute two counties away and drive 25 miles at $3 a gallon of gas, the econo- the math doesn't work. The economics don't work. And so I'll just find a job closer to where I live, and we'll find people gravitate towards that. And major industries are feeling the same impact, too. Mm. They're trying to recruit and bring in people into their industries, but part of that package has to be, wh- where are my kids going to go to school? Where am I going to live? What, you know, I want to live close to work. I don't want to drive 25, 30 miles to get to work every day and spend that time in the car. And as we know, you know, North Georgia, Atlanta is such a commuting area. Right. Um, I think average commute time is 45 minutes in metro Atlanta. That's the average commute yeah. time. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? So there's a... So, that's a lot of time sitting in the car. It's a lot of time away from the things you want to do, right? Well, and we at North Georgia Business Radio X are really working hard to address that issue, which is why we're putting this out there that you can listen to on your commute into work. So we want to take up a good 45 minutes to an hour to help you out with There you that. go. That's what I do. I'll listen to a podcast, you know, get on a phone call, whatever I need to do. There you go. Yep. You can fill that time up pretty darn easy. Absolutely. Um, so... With the discussion about jobs and people can't uh, find employees, yet employees are finding more than one job. And the side hustle, the gig economy has really proliferated. Let's talk about that, Tommy. Absolutely. Well, and it's really uh, technology driven, internet driven. Um, I tell this story and I think it's fascinating. I know uh, I have an agent who works for me, has a younger brother. Uh, He's 16 years old. He actually has a a normal part-time job working for a very 
popular chicken fast food restaurant based here in Georgia because his parents want him to have a respectable, normal job. But he has a, he at 16 has two jobs. And his second job is playing video games. He will play video games 15 hours a week. And he makes $1,000 a month playing video games. And it just fascinated me is that, and at 16 to make that kind of income is fantastic for him. But the fact of how he's doing it and the little time that he's spending is is what's amazing. And I had to ask the question, well, how do you monetize that? How, how do you make money doing that? Well, and who's paying this? And And there are people who will subscribe to watch this young man play a video <laughs> game. One, it's entertainment, which I thought was very surprising. And secondly, one is um, they might learn how to play the game better or just you know secrets and things like that. And people are willing to pay for that. And it's huge following. And as I was going through this and looking, so I, I looked at this young man and said, well, God, is, how does this, is this industry go beyond that? And it goes well beyond that. There's a young man, he's 33 years old. His net worth is $25 million because he plays video games for a living. Mm. He has sponsorships. He has subscribers. He has millions of viewers that watch him. And so he's learned how to monetize, monetize that. But it's not just that. You and I can have a gig economy. We can do that. About 38% of employed people today have a side gig or a side job, which equates to about 80 million people that have a secondary side job, side job, side hustle, which are things like Uber drivers, Uber Eats, um, all of those internet-based companies. But it, TikTok, YouTube... I just discovered if you get a million hits or a million subscribers on a YouTube channel, they'll actually pay you money. I, that just fascinates me. And, and so there's people creating wealth and opportunities in their spare time by making videos and TikTok and all of those other things that I, I don't know all the initials and all of them, but there's so many different avenues out there that people can subscribe to and, and make money. And, and a lot of some people are turning these into their primary jobs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I went to a uh, marketing, um, it was social media marketing, a little uh, workshop at the chamber, probably this time last year. And the the lady who was there um, speaking for the first 30 minutes, she was talking about how to do social media, you know, and um, I had thought that she had a marketing company that they did that for people. But it wasn't until halfway through, I realized, no, this lady is just a paid influencer and she gets paid, and I she just makes videos of her living her everyday life, and just features products in it. Yeah, and appeared to do very well. It, it's become it's really become an entertainment avenue, and it's fashion, it's you know exercise, it's sports, it's any any topic you can cooking, anything you can come up with that people are interested in, and people will subscribe to that. And it's it's that uh, instant gratification mentality, right? I can go and I can look up YouTube um, and I can look up anything. I look at, I'm a fly fisherman. I might say, Hey, I want to look up a video on how to tie that fly. And that is what people are going to. And there, it is amazing how many different things you can look up oh, that you yeah. want to learn about. And, and these people make money at it. And it, and it can be and it's bizarre. I mean, you can look up almost any, crazy thing and you will probably see somebody talking about it on one of these portals there there are a good bit of things people always ask me how'd you learn to do this stuff at the farm 
I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I've done that I looked it up on YouTube. Yeah. And went with it. And you can do it instantaneously. Right. I don't have to wait for that show to come on next week. I don't have to wait for the cooking show or the, you know, the home improvement show. I go on YouTube. It's right there at my fingertips. So easy. Yeah. And well, which brings us back back to where we started, Tommy. There's so much data out there. There's so much information that really our challenge becomes how to sift through it and look through it and decipher what is good or bad. Because, for example, with the farm, there's all sorts of farm videos about this or that. And a lot of them are by people who don't know what the heck they're doing. Um, but maybe they're good on camera or whatever. And so I go back to say thank you uh, to you and for what you all do with the native intelligence and um, coalescing and providing insights that people could use. And I, I go back to if you're going to purchase a home or sell a home, there's a lot of data out there. You need a professional. You heard from one today. Go call your insurance agent as well. Tommy, thank you so much for joining us this week on North Georgia Business Radio X. My pleasure been listening to North Georgia Business Radio X with Phil Vanelli. What local business do you know that should be highlighted on our program? Let us know. Just search North Georgia Business Radio X on Facebook or contact Bo at businessradiox.com. See you next time and remember to support our local businesses.